Welcome everyone, this is Phone Show Chat Podcast 733, recording this on 28th January 2023. I'm Steve Litchfield in Reading in the UK. Ted, where are you? I'm in North Wales, as always, um, where we take a gamble with the weather every week. Indeed you do, and for more details, see Tech Addicts Podcast 24 hours <laughs> after this is released. Our guest is in Australia, Sethu Pillai, if I pronounced that right. Yes, that's right. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, how are you doing over there? So I gather it's very early in the morning. It's about 7 a.m. here in Melbourne, Australia. Wow. It's uh, it's in the middle of summer. Got lovely weather here. Are you all coffeeed up? Yes, I am ready to go. Good. Uh, where can people find you online? I think the best place would be MeWe. Yeah, hooray. The more people hooray. say that, the better, Ted, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can find me at Steve Litchfield on Twitter. You can find Ted Salmon at tedsalmon.com and show notes at Steve Litchfield. Dot com. Um, Google Keep, Ted, we mentioned this a while ago, I think, because on your Surface Duo 2, sorry people who are fed up with the duos, but just, just a note, Google Keep um, just went dual screen. In other words, Google are doing their traditional long rollout of changes you know, over months, gradually updating applications for tablets and dual screened and folding screened smartphones. So I've, I've put a screenshot in the show notes for you, Ted showing my Google Keep beautifully spanned over two screens. Hooray. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it, how these things take their time. Obviously, I've got the original duo here, but you remember about three months ago, I sent you some screenshots showing you that it was working for me back then. So I don't know why it's <laughs> taken so long for you to get it on the duo too. That's why they call it a rollout, as, uh, yeah, as they yeah. say. Yeah. Um, a story from Android 14. I'll include this, the headline in the show notes. Android 14 is set to block certain outdated apps from being installed, so forcing all apps in the Play Store to be recently recompiled and currently supported and no older apps. I think I'd forgotten this. You said apparently we did cover this quite a while yeah, back. Yeah, I'm sure we did. I thought that this was um, old news, wow, but okay. I could be proved wrong, I guess. I got a feeling we spoke with um, Malcolm Bryant about it at the time. Ah, I'm not sure why. Yes, maybe, yeah. maybe it was something that was coming, and now... Yeah. So they firmed they firmed it up or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, the unfortunate thing is that some of the old games I tend to like playing, I, I'll absolutely guarantee that they won't have been compiled against recent SDKs, and yeah. I won't be able to play them on my Android 14 phones in a year What's or so. What a disaster. Time. I know. You'll have to stop playing around and do something serious. Do some work, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Xerxes Hodavala has written in saying, and this is a, quite topical because we all, often talk about long update windows, on phones, I think Fairphone is the record in the Android world at seven years. He said iPhones back to the iPhone 5S are still receiving security updates. iOS 12.5.7 was made available a few days ago. For reference, the iPhone 5S was released nearly nine and a half years ago in September 2013. So when will we hit the first phone, Ted, getting updates more than a decade after launch? I reckon that will happen at some point. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Fairphone are probably the closest to this. I mean, Samsung are doing really well. I, the, the Apple thing is, again, back to this wall garden thing, isn't it? And Samsung are getting closer with their virtual wall garden, you know, the Galaxy world. Um, you know, and, and we've seen in the, the laptop world, Chromebooks now being offered eight years of updates from Google. So it doesn't seem to be much reason why they can't yeah. do that with phones, with the kind of plateau to a large degree with phones. Um, it, it just should come along, really. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. What do you think, uh, Sethu? Yes, I. I think it's uh, it's it's amazing that we've got uh, so many updates coming in for modern phones. Because when when I first started using smartphones, updates were so rare, and now we've got into this space where we're talking about five years of updates, six years of updates for Apple, and it's 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 a great place to be. So I, I really appreciate it. It's also something that's adding to the premium for phones, for flagship phones, because these these updates are expensive. So you've got entire R&D divisions and, yeah. and software and teams of software engineers who are spending so much of time and effort to maintain these devices over so much period. So that's why you see people like Samsung and Apple investing so much in, in this and, and other smaller manufacturers not being able to invest as much. You don't have to have a walled garden to do this, though, and Fairphone are approving this. Um, you know, I've just said that it's, you know, the, the, the Galaxy world and the Apple world and, and the big boys can kind of make this happen because they've got huge control over what they do. But Fairphone hasn't got huge control, and yet they're still doing it. 
Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's an odd one, isn't it? A lot, a lot of it to do is to do, as you say, with um, research and development money, I suppose. Yeah, and often people use the excuse, well, the the chipsets that these phones run, they be, they don't they don't actually get supported by the chipset manufacturers after a certain number of years. So you can't do major OS version updates after that time when the chipsets out of support. But you can, I think, as Apple and some Android manufacturers have been doing. Still provides security updates. I going back to the, the same Android version, but providing fixes for vulnerabilities from Android or open source projects. So I don't see why those can't carry on and on and on. Which is why we've been ranting last week about the Sony Xperia Five Mark II, Ted, which is now you know, ceased updates two years after launch yeah. and not even getting security updates. It's not good enough. And Motorola, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and on to Planet Computers Corner, plus uh, more ranting over at missing Android updates. But you'll see as we get there. You know the estate agent's mantra, Ted, location, location, location. Mm. For smartphones, it's updates, updates, updates. And I know we've said you can live with a beloved device for past its support window, if mm. you're careful. But when manufacturers don't support a brand new device out of the box, I think it's unacceptable, leading mm. me to a tale of woe. This is from a MeWe member. Lawrence Wills. So apologies yeah. if you've already read it, but this is really worth it. Do you want to take away with his complaints? Definitely. Lawrence um, had backed the Planet Computers Astro slide and um, it arrived um, a, a few days ago, a couple of weeks ago, and he gave us our, his initial thoughts on it. The Astro slide came with Android 11 and the January 2022 security update. Wow. Yeah. The update has now appeared to be working, but no sign of anything newer yet. For all that, he says, I'm growing to like the Astro slides. There are some quirky things that make me twitch every now and again, the most grating of which is the camera software. But on the whole, I'm glad I backed it. However, knowing what I know now, I would not be paying the seven to eight hundred pounds I think Planet want for them. I listened to um, Aidan Bell on the show about uh, complaining about the hinge, says uh, Lawrence, but I have no concerns about that, and here's why. To my mind, the Gemini is and was effectively an updated Scion 5MX, a, P a, P a PDA <laughs> with the added luxury of 4G data and phone functionality as a push. The Astro slide, however is more like a Nokia E90, i.e. a phone with a large keyboard and screen available if needed. And that's how I um, find myself using the Astro Slide. After the initial curiosity and what's the best way to open and close it phase, I now use the phone in phone mode 90% of the time. It's nowhere near as robust as an E90, though, um, and it is twice the size. I don't want to sound like I'm going up, go up planet. I'm really pleased about what they try to do and understand that so many things were outside of their control, etc. But this is a new device funded over two years ago and delivered with Android 11, 11 and security updates over a year old with no apparent sight of any more in the foreseeable future. Thank you, Lawrence. That was a, a good rant and a good um, initial thoughts for us and a counter-argument to what Aidan was saying about the dreadful hinge. Yeah, I, I do have sympathy for Planet, you know, trying to exist in a massive mainstream world, but they should have one thought about updates and had a development team already assigned, even you know, subcontracted to someone in India, whoever, to manage updates each month for a couple of years. It should all have been in their costings and spreadsheets right up front. And number two, in my opinion, not gone down the Astro Slide alley in the first place and stuck with the Cosmo and Gemini concept. That, the Gemini at least looks and is utterly unique. Now put in better components, newer software, no need to keep redesigning the thing, I mean, the Astro slide design is unique and that there's nothing else quite like it, but it's not elegant. And Ted, in the show notes, I've included uh, photographs, first of my Gemini just being opened like a scion, effectively like a clamshell. And then the photograph of the Astro slide hinge system, which I still maintain is a plastic monstrosity. Is it just me? No, it's not. And and the I think you and, and everyone really, um, apart from those at Planet Computers, um, are thinking the same thing at this stage, that the the, the, the Gemini was a, a mini laptop that was also a yeah. um, which was also a phone, whereas what they're trying to do is evolve it into a um, uh, um, what's it called? The X Pro One Plus Pro. <laughs> the XDA communicator. The, yeah. No, no, no. The no, no. The the thing that 
um, FX Tech wait, Pro One. Yeah, that's the one. The FX Tech Pro so One. So many, so many keywords so, and jargon. Gosh. So, so they're, they're trying to they're trying to turn it into something more like that and getting all clever with the mechanism and blah blah blah. Whereas actually, looking back at your picture of the Gemini, that is much more attractive. And I'm I'm absolutely yeah. with you. They should have evolved that and made it better as it was and not mucked about with it. I'm seriously tempted. I know I'm kind of hooked into iMessage in the iOS world now, but I'm seriously tempted to put my second SIM from the Surface Duo 2 into the Gemini for a few weeks because it's such a pleasure to use. I know it's a bit slow, but those those keys are wonderful. The form factor is wonderful. I don't need to keep fielding phone calls and seeing notifications on it. I just want to use it to do the odd thing and to get things done when I want to do some serious writing and email, and I think it's perfect for that. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Oh, Seth, have you had a um, QWERTY keyboard device and and do, have, have you been jealous of them or do you think it's all a bit silly? No, I definitely don't think it's silly at all because I've I've been in love with QWERTY devices for a long time. My first smartphone was the Nokia E61 and I've been using a lot of the Nokia uh, QWERTY phones and then switched to BlackBerry after that. Mm-hmm. Um now, with the Gemini, I'm just curious, Steve, if you do use it on the table typing with multiple fingers or do you use it in your hands and using your thumbs to type those keys? Curiously, back when I was when the Scion 5MX with the exact same keyboard, I used to use it 50-50. Um, the Scion 3 range was always in my hands, two thumbs. Scion 5 range, it was kind of 50-50. This, maybe it's because... With different operating system, different interface, I find myself ninety percent on the table and only ten percent trying to juggle it in my in my grasp. Right. I've never used this kind of device, uh, the the Gemini type of keyboard. Uh, but as I mentioned, like I've been using the the kind of keyboard devices where you use the thumbs more more often than not. Um, I find that experience to be very tactile. So for me, it's the tactileness that's if that's a word. Uh, it's that that's what makes yeah. it more attractive for me. It's not about the speed of the of the typing itself, because I think on modern touchscreen devices, especially if I'm using the swiping uh, style of yeah. input, yeah. I think that's much faster for me, but you don't get the same experience of yeah. feeling that click uh, on the keyboard. And, and that's something that's uh, sadly gone yeah. uh, from mainstream. The key one, the BlackBerry key one, was the, was the last uh, QWERTY device I used. The other thing that I enjoy about QWERTY devices is the option to set shortcut actions to each of those keys, which can save you so much time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you press a key and it launches an yeah. app, or you can switch between apps or do what would you want there. So- like, a, like a lot of these things, you, it's what you get used to as well. Is You need to learn that, and you need to not swap your SIM card between devices like we do every 10 minutes, because... You otherwise you just won't get used to where those shortcuts are. But yes, I agree with you. The shortcuts, as 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 they were with the Scion series, you, you, they were they were um, really really productively helpful. Yeah, but thinking back to your question, yes, I think using a device like the Astro Slide Cosmo Communicator or the original Gemini, you really do have to have a firm surface. It might be a train fold down table, an airline fold down table, or your home desk or wherever or sitting at McDonald's, but you can't, something like that, you can't really just walk up the street typing out a text message with your thumbs on a huge mechanical QWERTY keyboard. It just just doesn't make sense. But let's move on. So, Sethu, we we had you on, I think, a few years ago. You gave us a bit of your backstory, including um, working at Nokia for a while. What years were you working at Nokia? Yeah, that's right. I was working at Nokia from 2007 to 2012. So in terms of devices, uh, it was around just after the N95 came out till uh, till the 808 was about to come out. So that's the that's the period that I was in. So admittedly, it was, might not have been Nokia's prime, but it, it certainly gave me my introduction to the world of smartphones. So prior to, jo- to joining Nokia, I was... Uh, I wasn't really using smartphones at all. I, I use the phone mainly for calls or text messages, and that's it. So I would go into a shop if I wanted to get a phone. I would go into the shop and look for the cheapest possible option. Now, uh, that reminds me of, of uh, one particular phone that I was using, which I I don't know whether you've discussed this before, but it's called the Motophone F3. 
It's from around the 2006 period. Is that does that ring a bell? Ted's the moto expert here. <laughs> I don't know that the, the the year that era for me was I think still the Razor era. So I don't recognise the title, Seth. No. Yes, so this came at about a fraction of the cost of the Razor. So the Razor, and at the time I was in India, uh, the Razor was selling for around 20,000 rupees, which is, which is what, around 400 or $500 at the time. Uh-huh. And this came out for 1,400 rupees. So it was just about the 30 or $40 mark. Uh, okay. And, but at the time when phones were, you know, around 16 to 25 millimeters thick, the Vodafone F3 was only nine millimeters thick. So yeah. it looked super premium. And the reason they were able to release such a thin phone at the time was that they were using an e-ink display. So it Ooh. was, it didn't have any color or anything. And, and you get all the advantages of e-ink with the long battery life and you can have the you know display stay on and so on. Um, unfortunately, the e-ink was also quite low resolution, so you didn't have uppercase and lowercase letters. Everything just looked like LCD displays, and it was it was a nightmare to use, uh, but the cost and the look was pretty attractive. And I went from there to uh, the, the, the E61, which was provided to me by Nokia when I joined them. Uh, and that was my introduction to a whole new world, and I was completely blown away. <laughs> and and one of the first things that I was working on in Nokia was their screensaver. So this is what uh, this is the precursor to what we call as the always-on display right now. Yeah, yeah. So um, the the E sixty one and uh, many other S sixty third edition devices of the time they were using something called transflective screens, which is the kind of screens that reflect light uh, as it, uh, it. So if you take it out to sunlight. Uh, it, it would it would use that sunlight to make what's on the screen to be more clear. Does like that, a, kin- that like a Kindle. Like a Kindle, yeah. except that you know it, it, it is an LCD display, so the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could have either have a transflective display or a reflective one, which is cheaper. But uh, sorry, a transmissive one, which is cheaper, but uh, it looks better indoors and things like that. So there were different pros and cons for each of those types. Uh, with the transflective screen, the advantage was that you could use that property that this, you're using sunlight to reflect um, reflect what's on the screen. Yeah. You could use that to keep the screensaver always on. So you could you could have an always-on display on LCD phones, and that's what uh, Nokia were doing at the time. So I'm, I'm not taking credit for any of that because it, it, I inherited uh, what was developed by people with far more knowledge on this than myself. But to give you a background of how it worked, you could turn on and off partial areas of the LCD screen. So when when the uh, when it goes into idle mode, you're essentially turning on a part of a display or a partial display, and you're putting in whatever you want to show uh, in terms of time or icons, notification icons, all those things you can keep there, and physics takes care of the rest. So it was a very interesting way of approaching that uh that user user interface yeah even on the n95 again i I remember this very clearly you get this literally a a strip of pixels i'm guessing about no more than about 10 or 11 pixels high and in that they fitted the date and time and and that would move around the display like was it was it random yes yes it would move around the display yeah i remember that as well and then of course we had the oled displays coming in uh the first one being the nokia n85 and this is where I was a developer who actually flipped the colors around. So instead of showing black on a white background, black letters on a white background and, and with a blue highlight or areas that you wanted to highlight, I changed all the background to black and the the time and in, in notification icons would be in white. And now that's what gave rise to the always on display that, that we see uh, yeah. on modern phones. Yeah, I never had the N85, but I think, of course I loved the N86 8 megapixel, and but it had essentially the same display with the same uh, uh, OLED and the same always on, as you say. Very good. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've, I've used a lot of phones since then. So be, being at Nokia, they had a great, uh, they, they were very great with giving employees access to all the latest and greatest gadgets. So be they devices from com- competitors as well as uh, gaming systems and, and consoles and things like that. So anything to get their employees 
uh, hands-on time with the latest of tech. That also gave me the opportunity then to try out things like MIMO, the N900 device, and, and MIGO with, with the N9 and the N950. And of course, a couple of the Windows phone devices at the time. And then I switched to using BlackBerry and Windows 10 Mobile. So basically everything other than Android or iOS. <laughs> but we may come to that later on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's been uh, I, I sometimes I feel like I keep making, you know, uh, I, I keep choosing avenues which end up in a, in a dead end and things that I, I feel I like very much and I'm, I'm getting very used to uh, all of a sudden that the development part for those platforms end. Yes, it's interesting because um, we got we get the same criticism. We I wrote for all about Symbian. Well, first of all, Scion. I wrote about Scion on the Palm Top magazine. Then we, I joined the All About Symbian team. Then that went into what it was all about Mimo, all about Migo, all about Windows Phone. I did a, a magazine uh, with Steve Clack also Palm user about Palm Pilots. And all of those platforms they all went away. But they're kind of natural life cycles, I'd argue. Some of them were experiments, things like Migo and Mimo, but. Symbian, Palm OS, Windows Phone, even BlackBerry 10, they were operating systems. They had their day. They rose to a peak and then they subsided again. What's interesting, perhaps, about the other operating systems, the ones that I never covered in the, in the, that heyday, was that iOS and Android have survived, but albeit by reinventing themselves over and over. So maybe are they the same OS intrinsically or, or have they kind of moved with the times imagine imagine the apple device that came out initially in that 2007 period and and imagine the ios devices that you can buy today they are chalk and cheese yes, in terms exactly. of complexity yeah. and user interface and everything so in the old days i could confidently get an ios phone or a windows phone give it to somebody who is not very used to technology like my parents and I could be confident that they'd be able to find their way around very quickly. But now, if if I had to give uh, a, a, the latest of either a, an Android phone or an iOS phone, I don't have that same level of confidence because there's so much more functionality, so much more configurability that it's it's not as simple an experience. And this this is just an observation I had. Yeah, Ted, of course, your parents both use Android currently with reasonably recent phones, but they do have the enormous advantage that you're their son um, and yeah. therefore you can give them tech support three times a week. Yeah, and also that my mum is really interested in technology as well. Yeah. Not so much my dad. Yeah. Um, but but you're quite right, Seth. Though. The, the, for all that I disliked Windows um, Phone and, and um, Windows Mobile, Windows 10 Mobile, um, you can't argue that those big buttons on the front page um, were very easy to use for someone to, to just yeah. pick up and see where to go. And, yeah, very, very simple. And you can get overlays like that, to be fair, for um, Android. And I'm sure you probably can for Apple as well, where you can switch switch into a simple mode. Um, and, and, you know, if you if you want to, you can go there. Um, which people would argue, well, that makes it just as flexible. Uh, no? Yes. You you just have to know how to get those overlays and install them. Yeah. Doesn't Samsung, Ted, include a smart or a simple yeah. interface out of the box they as do. part of the setup still? Yeah. They do. And they're not the only ones. You know, other people do that as well. You know, some of the Chinese manufacturers yeah. do that yeah. as well. So, but, but yes, yeah, in Samsung, you certainly have an option to go into, I think, it's, is it called simple mode or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, where did you end up sort of 2015 onwards? iOS or Android and Google? Where, where did you go? I, I liked what Apple were doing in terms of privacy and security. However, I do get bored with uh, the same kind of hardware over and over again. And I thought, especially at the time, and I think even now, Android offers a little bit more variety with the hardware. So, if I, for example, wanted to use some uh, a QWERTY keyboard, Android does offer that option. Or if if I wanted to look for folding devices today, then you only have Android as an option. So that's the reason why I've chosen Android. However, I do keep in mind that uh, you know I don't try and get into a situation where uh, I wouldn't be able to switch to an Apple device if if something came up on the Apple side. And that, that that caught my fancy. So something that I would love to see Apple come up with is a device which 
has a um, you know a folding screen, for example. I would love to see their interpretation of it because I think based on based on the what I've known from uh, the reviews from yourself, Steve, and and the, some of the other people uh, on YouTube, it's you still have a few quirks in in uh, in the Android world with folding devices and uh, what apps work properly and and the layouts and so on, uh, which I'm hoping Apple would be able to refine when when they eventually get on board. Yeah, you mentioned in the show notes that uh, although you like larger phone screens because um, you're doing more on your phone and presumably your even your eyes are getting older <laughs> with age as well, uh, but at the same time, you say you want to have devices which aren't too wide and things like the Surface Duo or even the new Google rumoured fold or the Oppo Find uh, N1 and 2, which are just slightly wider in the hand when they're in um, closed mode. That's too wide for you, but you still want a large screen. So maybe the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 4 is the device you should be using anyway. Yes, absolutely. So I grew up with small devices and, and prioritising that handiness for me, the, the portability. But as you mentioned, so I am starting to appreciate larger size screens now. So I tend to watch a little bit more video content on the devices these days, and I tend to use it a little bit more for um, reading articles, newspapers, and so on. And I just find that having a bigger device, bigger device screen, is gives that content room to expand and and yeah, room to yeah. really uh, fill. So. I do prefer using larger devices, and, and that means that, of course, if, even when I'm shopping for clothes, I need to make sure that the pockets of, of the shirts or the pants that I'm buying have deep enough pockets to hold a modern <laughs> flagship device. Or you could have a belt holster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I do have a watch for getting notifications. So if I am out and about, the phone stays in the pocket for many of these uh, the notification triaging, but I still find myself wanting to use a device with one hand many times. So, And that's why I feel like a Surface Duo type device is going to be too wide for me. And, and you're right, the fold size device would be ideal for me. So with all that in mind, where is your main SIM card right now and what else is sort of next to you on the desk? What are your options? I find myself switching between a Samsung and a Sony. Um, let me let me talk about the Sony Xperia 1 devices, which I, I really love. Uh, I love the concept of the Xperia 1. So I've got the Xperia 1 Mark 2 and the Xperia 1 Mark 4. Uh, and in general, it's it's the fact that they don't, remove features just because they can. So I'm talking about things like the headphone jack and the micro SD card, for example. Hooray! It's great <laughs> to have, you know, that physical shutter, uh, yeah. the, the camera shutter button. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, the camera itself. Now, I don't think the image quality is any better than what you might get with the flagship devices from Apple, Google, or Samsung. In fact, I think they're probably worse in terms of pure image quality. But it's just that the way they process the uh, the, the photograph, the, the JPEG files, it's more natural to my eyes. So this is completely subjective. It's completely preference. And it's probably down to the fact that I've been spoiled by the Nokia 808 and the N8 uh, in particular. <laughs> I've, been, I've been completely spoiled by the image purity that those devices had yeah. uh, to such an extent that I was I was so unsatisfied with every other phone that I used uh, for many years after the 808 and I switched to physical cameras. Uh, but when I look at the pictures from the Sony Xperia versus a Samsung Galaxy phone, I can see that uh, subjectively the Sony Xperia uh, JPEGs look better for me. Uh, there's also the uh, the interface, which is a bit controversial topic. I, I know that many people don't like the Xperia 1 camera interface, but because I'm very used to Sony standalone cameras, I actually find it super easy. So for me, it was so natural to be able to change things like exposure and, and shutter speed and ISO values on the Xperia 1 camera interface that I was able to very quickly adjust these things on the fly during the, the picture taking. 
and I really enjoy it. Cue more cheers from Ted Salmon here. This is talking your <laughs> language, Ted. Yeah, sorry, I missed my, I missed my cue. Hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's to such an extent that when I pick up picked up the Samsung S twenty two Ultra and went into the camera app, I initially I, I couldn't figure out how to change settings and and yeah, I got lost there. Which is which is quite the opposite of what you normally hear on the reviews. I also appreciate on the Xperia One the fact that you don't have any cutouts on the screen, so you don't have any notch or hole punches. And uh, for somebody who's uh, who, who with my my and again this is all completely subjective, but I really appreciate a full screen uh, without these cutouts and to the extent that even the corners of the screens I would prefer them to be sharp and full and not have that feeling that I'm I'm missing out on what the corners of the image might might hold. Um, so some devices like uh, Apple and some of the Xiaomi devices they've got very rounded corners. Yeah. And for me, it, it always gives me a feeling of uh, it's like watching an, an old cathode ray tube TV screen <laughs> which has the rounded corners. So it's a step back. The, the net result of that, though, Seth, though, is that it makes it even taller because what should be on the screen is at the top and at the bottom. And I did find with the Sony devices that was one of the, the, the drawbacks. I don't know what you think about that. They, they, they're just very tall in the hand. They are very tall. But again, for me, that means they are also slim. The width is less. So I can use it easier with one hand. And especially on the one two, they had a very useful one-handed mode. So, uh, Steve, you, might, you you've used the uh, one Mark two, and you might have noticed the um, the shortcut option that Sony Xperia offers on the edge of the device. The edge on the one Mark two was was sensitive to gestures and taps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have so they the, taken that away? Yes, unfortunately, they've taken that away on the one Mark four. So on the one mark two, you could swipe. So what I did was I, I set it up so that swiping down on the edge of the device would uh, drop. It would give me my notification pane. So that works on any app that you're in. You don't have to necessarily just be on the home screen. And swiping up would launch a one hand mode, which uh, shrinks the display very similar to what Samsung does uh, to the bottom right yeah. corner of the of the screen. Or the, the gesture, or the gesture hint. Yes. So this this was um, this was very useful for me, and it was very quick for me to access. On the One Mark Four, they don't support the the gestures on the edge anymore. But what they do is they've got an on-screen uh, semi-transparent or translucent um, uh, bar that you can set up for yeah, pretty much yeah. a similar sort of actions. However, the one-hand mode is now. I think it's a standard Android implementation now where instead of shrinking the screen to the corner, it's more like the Apple style where they pull down the entire screen across the whole width of the screen down. So you're cutting off the bottom, maybe a third of uh, more, more than that of the bottom part of the screen. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't I, I don't see that on pixels. The, 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 the gesture that I thought was kind of standard now was to to be able to swipe up across the the gesture hint, if you like to call it that, the bar that's left at the bottom, and you swipe up right across that, and then that will bring it into um, into one-handed mode. Um, so I'm not quite with you. Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm I'm talking about the way the one-handed mode looks like. So there are two main patterns that I've observed. So one is the Samsung style, which is which shrinks the screen to um, to, to the, towards the bottom right corner, uh, and and you see the whole screen. Yeah, the whole aspect ratio. Down. Yeah, it's yeah. the whole aspect ratio is just shrunk down. Yeah. But the iPhone style is to bring the whole the, the top part of the screen to the bottom, so you miss out on 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 the bottom maybe a third of the display, so you don't oh, see right. the bottom okay. that navigation bar or anything. You miss the content at the bottom. Yes. Okay. So you're just so you're not shrinking the size. You're just it's like cutting off the top and then bringing it to the bottom. Okay, I got you. Yep. So you you can you can't then scroll up to see the bottom of the screen. No, you can't. Not right. on the Sony. Okay, okay. 
So in a way, that's a, that's a step back on the one four. Mm. So yeah, I, I I but just coming back to why I chose this uh, Xperia one. So in general, so having all these features in there and and the nice uh, handling for me for the device, uh, I thought it's um, it, it's what I can do to support the manufacturer because if we don't support manufacturers who are still catering to these niches, like whether that's QWERTY keyboards or headphone jacks or things like that, then sooner or later, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to bring out new devices like that. And we'll all end up with just iPhone clones anyway. So this is what's happened with LG, BlackBerry and so on. Yeah. 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 I, I do. I do get that. And I, I think you're quite right. However, Sony is big enough and ugly enough and rich enough, if they fancy, to carry on however many they sell, I think. So, they, Ooh, um, uh, so are Sony richer than LG? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, though? If, they, yeah. if, it's, if it's a hobby horse of theirs and they want to carry on, then they'll just carry on. And I, I think that, I mean, I, don't, I haven't got the figures in front of me, but I think they're selling enough of them for it to re- remain a business. Although there was talk about the mobile division of Sony being under some threat, but that seems to have gone away again now. Um, but I do get what you mean. Yes, the more they sell, obviously, the more encouraged they will be to carry on. Yes. Now, in terms of uh, the Xperia One Mark Four versus Mark Two, I think the screen, you know, as as you all know, the, the screen is much better and the battery life is better. Uh, but it also has these compromises with respect with respect to side sense, uh, which is that uh, the sensitive edge of the device. It's not there anymore. Um, and Sony have never been able to support the Windows phone link functionality as well as a Samsung. So that's not very, and, and I don't know if any other manufacturers do that either. So it, it's, it looks like it's more of a Samsung and Microsoft thing. Oh yeah, definitely. They've got a special arrangement. Um, the Samsung with phone link, Microsoft and Samsung have got into bed with each other yeah, on that one. Yeah. And, and you get huge amounts of functionality like you do with a Surface Duo. Um, so yes, you're quite yeah. right. The Sony experience there is, is, is very kind of bare bones. Yeah. Another thing which I've noticed, but, but I've never heard any of the reviewers talk about is the fingerprint sensor on the Xperia's doesn't work as reliably for me. So when I switch to a Samsung device with the ultrasonic sensor, it's always very reliable and it, it, it always works. But on the Sony Xperia, I think it's about this. There's, there's a bit of smudging that happens uh, with my fingers or something like that. And I get sometimes these notifications to clean the fingerprint scanner. It's It maybe works for me 50% of the time because sometimes what happens is I try it a few times. It doesn't work for me. I need to wipe it clean, uh, try it again. Sometimes it works again. Sometimes it doesn't work. So it's very unreliable for me. That's pretty annoying. I would suggest, because I have a similar thing on my Sony Xperia 5 II here, also the Microsoft Surface Duo 2, both with capacitive textured fingerprint sensors. And like you, I do get occasionally misses. But I, apart from wiping the sensor with a tissue, which is the obvious thing to do, there's, there's also, I find that once every two, three weeks, I tend to just... Add, add the thumb again, I re-register my thumbprint and then it's completely instant for another three weeks and it gradually slips away again as, as your fingerprint gets damaged or changed or you, you've been doing work on DIY or whatever and, and something's changed in your thumbprint. Wow, so do you think then that uh, the ultrasonic scanners they've got built in a larger built-in error margin yeah it's, well it's a much larger sensor if you think about the size tiny narrow size of the, the capacitive sensor mm-hmm. on the sony's and the duo 2 i mean they're, they're what three or four millimeters the ultrasonic and also the optical fingerprint scanners under displays they're normally at least a centimeter or so aren't they the bigger yes yes you're right my theory. I, don't, my theory. I, I, I don't agree with steve on the <laughs> on the, the the sony issue because i think that that was a known issue a known problem right from the very start okay and they've got a, an inbuilt um error code that comes up that says um wipe your fingerprint and start again and, and i used to get that as well but i didn't have to i never re-registered my fingerprint i just did do what i i did what you do Seto, which was just to wipe it off um usually i just use the same finger to wipe it down and then the <laughs> next as soon as, as soon as i'd wiped it down one my fingerprint worked again have you tried that wow <laughs> i i haven't tried that uh you try but it. but yes i will try that 
So using your greasy thumb to sw- wipe off your greasy thumb grease <laughs> off the sensor. Well, I, well, I tend I tended to use my my index finger, but oh, okay. but yeah, yes, yeah. when yeah. I got that message up, all I did was took my the same finger and swiped it down. I I cleaned it with my finger, and then the the, the next time, the very microseconds later, it was working fine again. Unfortunately, most of the time that I get this, I I cross the limit for how many attempts can be made, <laughs> and then I have to wait for thirty seconds. So I just put in the pin anyway at that point. <laughs> well, next time, try it. Yes, definitely. I don't know about the audio output though. So yes, the three point five mm jack is great, especially if uh, if you do use it for things like uh, microphone input and things like that. But I. These days, I'm not able to detect much difference between Bluetooth and uh, the sound that comes through the 3.5 mm jack. So I don't know if that's my hearing going down or whether it's um, it's it's just Bluetooth catching up with wired audio. I think we've mentioned this several times, haven't we, Ted? Bluetooth 5 is now so good. Yes. And it, even with the SBC codec, it's just so good that you have to have audio file hearing, really, to tell much degradation. And yeah, the Sony's uh, headphone jack output is as good as it's always been. It's just that everything else has got better alongside. Yeah, it's as good as it's been. It could have been better, though. Like, for example, with LG, I think they went the extra mile to build a special DAC. And a special amplifier. The LG's output was as louder as well, could drive more powerful headphones. Yeah. But this could probably be my last Xperia because... uh, What's happened is Sony's pulled out of Australia, and they pulled out many years ago. But now with many of the operators switching to 5G and starting to take down the older 3G towers, there's there's a bit of a problem with compatibility. So as I understand, in a couple of years' time, uh, the Xperia's will stop working for voice calls in Australia. So that's going to be a bit of a bummer. Uh, Ted, before we go on with um, Seth, who's other device he wants to talk about, it occurs to me that you, you've you paralleling his trials of the Samsung, in his case, the S22 Ultra, and you, the S21 Ultra, but very much in parallel with many of the same observations. So do you want to perhaps, uh, uh, A, tease your own review of that? If it, or is it coming or is it out? And also then perhaps lead Sethu through and react to what he's saying about his S22 Ultra. Yeah, I was I was talking about the um, phone link, uh, Seth. You were talking about the phone link just now, Microsoft phone link. Yes. Um, but I do find that um, what the problem with um, Samsung um, implementation of that is, it does it all very very well. But what you don't get is pass through audio, um, which you do get. I don't know if you tried the Samsung Flow software. So if you install Samsung Flow on your Windows PC and install Samsung Flow on the phone, um, you get pass-through audio. It does much the same kind of job, not quite as much as PhoneLink in some respects, but you do get the pass-through audio. And I found that um, the Duo as well, the Surface Duo, doesn't even do that. And Dex does it. It works with Dex. It works with Ready4 for Motorola, but it doesn't work with Samsung and um, PhoneLink uh, straight out of the box. And I wish it would. What, what, have you tried that, or does that not has that not bothered you at all? Uh, I don't. I don't remember trying the flow. I, I do remember trying Dex. Uh, I've used it a few times. Mm-hmm. Can you remind me again what the difference is between the flow and, and using it using Dex? Well, flow is the um, is a more simple implementation for Windows. I don't know if it's Apple as well, but it's for Windows that I'm using it, um, which is very much like. Um, Microsoft Phone Link. It, it provides a um, connection via Bluetooth, um, which also piggybacks the Wi-Fi, which we'll come to in a second, no doubt, because I've did, I did some testing with Steve on this. Um, whereas the Dex is a completely plug-in, um, or, or, or it needn't be; it can be wireless. A plug-in. Um, capture of your whole phone and turning it into a desktop experience. So that so, so the difference with Flow is that Flow is a a kind of bridge application, which apparently is now very old, and it's possible that Samsung won't go on supporting it, and they'll put their resources now into making Phone Link better instead, and and dropping Flow somewhere down the line. But at the moment, that's my observation. I love my music. I love my sound. And I would really like it to 
for, for phone link to pick up that audio. Um, do you understand what I'm saying? Right, I'm following you. Uh, okay. Unfortunately, I haven't I haven't used Flow at all. So I've okay. used Phone Link and I've used Dex. And between those two, I think I've got all my use cases covered. Yeah, there okay. seems to be some duplication. It's <laughs> had from and from Samsung's point of view in shipping Flow and phone and Link to Windows or Phone Link as it's called, um, and then having Dex off to the side as well. I did do some work on Phone Link because you got me intrigued, Ted, during the week here. Um, what mm. you were curious about, as I say, is that you you can play video, you can stream video, if you like, a video application from your Samsung phone through to your Windows desktop, but the audio stays on the phone, whereas Dex has more advanced yeah. audio management, and Dex, you know, can you can deliberately choose to have the audio come out of your PC speakers. Um, and we were wondering, is this a, a Bluetooth limitation? Well, I think what I found out is that PhoneLink does use Bluetooth for setup, discovery, and messaging calls, but then it does piggyback on Wi-Fi for photo sharing and app streaming. Um, if you turn Wi-Fi off on the laptop, all the advanced phone link, link to Windows stuff just goes. But there's no reason why on earth why Microsoft, who make Link to Windows and Phone Link, why they shouldn't work with Samsung to channel the audio through. The Wi-Fi has got oodles of bandwidth. You can have audio and video, and you should do make it happen, Microsoft. Yeah, which is exactly what Samsung Flow does. Um, and, and if they are right about hooking up with Microsoft and making phone link better, perhaps that's something that's on the table. And eventually, I think, um, Seth, Samsung Flow will go. Um, I don't know what you thought about the physicality um, of the S22 Ultra, but with the S21 Ultra, I was quite shocked by the size and the width. And it was, I mean, basically... It's a big, heavy lump of a phone, not well balanced in the hand. Now, I know that in the S22, they kind of reduced the um, the whole camera island layout. Um, in the 21, that is just a lump, and it makes it feel really top-heavy. Whatever gymnastics I do with my hand, there's no way that my thumb can reach the top of the screen. Um, you know, I, we were talking about one-handed mode just now, which, okay, I get that. You can use that, but it's just... Um, you know, it's just a, a very difficult phone to handle with one hand, which kind of makes it a bit um, awkward for me. A apart from that, though, I felt as though it was super premium, really classy. The curves make it found feel like it's a, a real kind of um, top-notch device. I'm guessing that the S22 Ultra is very similar to what I've just said. I think so. The S22 Ultra is practically a Note device, so it's it's got sharper corners all around. And it's got, obviously, it's got the S Pen as well. But I, I completely understand what you talk about when you talk about the, the width and the size of the device. I've given up trying to reach the top part of any modern <laughs> phone. So it, I'm, yeah. I'm just using uh, one hand mode for, for all of that if I'm using it with, with a single hand. But even while using the S22 Ultra on the couch when I'm reading and, and do, doing stuff with it for a long time, my hands do tend to tire quickly because of yes. that greater weight. So yeah. I was very used to the Xperia, which is much lighter than the S22 Ultra. Yep. And I, I noticed that my hands are tiring quickly when I use the S22 Ultra. Yeah, I, th I think you're absolutely right. And, and that is an issue. It's, it's kind of a two-handed device. Even if you put it into one-handed mode, it's still... Um, not really a one-handed device. I did find that the battery test that I did um, was quite good. Um, I think that the, the the processor and the 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 kind of um, big screen and the, the the whole kind of thing about Samsung running stuff in the background is all a bit kind of um, battery hungry. Um, Compared to some other uh, other devices I've got here, in that respect, it's not very good. It's not a great battery. And to make things worse, there's not even fast charging, really. So if you get stuck somewhere, um, you've only got 25-watt charging. Now, I believe that on the 22, they upped that to 45-watt, didn't they? How has your battery been? The battery life is very good for me. So, But I should uh, add a disclaimer that I do have wireless chargers around and i do keep the devices on those wireless chargers for right. so uh, sure. it it doesn't really drop down too low anyway for me so I, I don't know i don't think i'll be a good benchmark for battery longevity uh but i can 
uh, I can say something about the Galaxy S22 Ultra is that uh, remember last week you guys were talking about the Xperia devices being a battery drain for all these on display? Yeah. So I, I've seen that happen on my Xperia. Uh, it doesn't happen to the same extent on the S22 Ultra. Yeah, yeah. So that I feel that uh, Samsung have got it much more refined and, and they've probably had more yeah. attempts at it as well. Yeah, agree. Just as a leap in here, Ted, in my show notes and in my section here, I've got to, I did some more tests following last week's experiment. Um, battery testing, in my case, the Xperia 5 Mark II. I wanted to see if it did the same same problem as the Xperia 1 Mark IV. And I did a full 24-hour test, so the device wasn't on, as in screen wasn't on. I wasn't using it, but it was with the apps loaded, um, always on display, fully on, the OS ticking along, connected to Wi-Fi, etc., etc. And the Xperia 5 Mark II lost 33% in 24 hours with no use whatsoever, if you go to smart mode, i.e. the always-on display only pops up when something comes in, it only loses 8%. No, 8%. So it's quite a difference. And I agree, compared to Samsung, we're talking about up to 10% loss per day for the always-on display, which sounds about right. But a 33% or 40% the Xperia 1 Mark IV, that's just, that speaks to me that Sony haven't optimized something. It's Sony's code that's the problem. Would you agree, Sethu? Absolutely. And it's not new to the Mark IV either, because I see the same thing happening on the Mark II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, they do have a little bit of a uh, a tweak to make things better in practice, because what they do is they look at the proximity sensor. And if anything is covering the proximity sensor, the always-on display goes off. So in practice, if I'm keeping the device in my pocket, walking around, or if I put it face down or... You know, if, if something's obstructing the top part of the di- the display, right. yeah. then, then yeah. the always-on display goes off anyway. So if you're using it as you would a normal phone, that, sure. you don't yeah. see that 33% loss. Yeah. You don't feel yeah. it. It's as, as bad. Yeah, this, this was a, a, an extreme case, Ted. And I, I did say last week we need a kind of a uh, partly on the desk, partly in the pocket, partly being used, and an overall average battery score. And maybe that's something we can think about. <laughs> We disagreed on this before, Steve. Um, we, bo- <laughs> we both had an Xperia 5 Mark II in our hands, and we were both doing not quite so clinically testing as this, but you couldn't understand how I got such good results from mine, and you were getting these kind of results from yours. Um, at the time, I do believe you said it was something between 5 and 10% extra for having the always-on display always-on. And my always-on display on my 5 Mark II was always on the whole time, except, as Sethi says, when it was in my pocket. Um, but I never got this kind of drain. So, I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, uh, more data points needed probably from people listening that have got Sony devices, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, so Sethi, what's the overall verdict is that you've got the Sony Xperia Mark IV and uh, Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra to choose from. So... You, you go with the Sony every time or do you switch over on a week-by-week week basis? It's more a few months basis because it takes some time to set up the Galaxy S22. So um, uh, my wife and I, we swap phones. So okay. it, you can't you can't do it every week or every weekend, but uh, every few months is okay. I would just leave it with all the apps installed and just switch the SIM card over. But yeah, if you're swapping with your wife, then yeah, it's a complete rebuild each time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I'm completely like if I would say that the S22 blows away the Sony in terms of sheer functionality. Oh, yeah. um, and even with respect to the flexibility of the cameras, because you've got such a good uh, the, the periscope zoom on this on the Galaxy is so much better than that on the Sony. Um, you've got you've got decks and you've got all the customization options with good lock and one hand plus, etc. So. In, in fact, if you if you look at how my wife uses a phone and how I set up the phone, they're completely different again. So I think it's great <laughs> that Samsung offers you that much of customization that you can you can get two such uh, different experiences from the same device. So that speaks a lot to, to uh, the functionality that they offer. It does. And there's all sorts of other stuff as well. Like, for example, the edge panels. I've never used another device on uh, anywhere with edge panels that work as well. They open that up to the community, to the to the user community and the developers, and they just allow people to put stuff into it. It's a very open system. 
Now, of course, those developers are charging people to use them and you have to pay for them. But that's fair enough, I suppose. And these are parts of the reasons why the battery drain for me is not great um, and or, or is too much. Um, because all this stuff going ticking over in the background um, does all that stuff. It's, it's a, you're right. The Dex is really good. Um, there's, there's so much stuff available in the Samsung. It's really difficult. My, I, when I'm choosing between at the moment my Motorola device and the Samsung, I so, so want to be using the Samsung devices and making use of all these wonderful bells and whistles. Um, <laughs> and I think to myself, size is an issue. Um, so perhaps I should go for an S21 or S22 or S23. Um, but then you've got the battery problem. You know, the, the battery on this Ultra is bad enough. When I had a, a smaller Samsung before, the first thing that goes is the battery. And everyone that's got an S22 or an S21 have said the same thing. It's rubbish battery because, again, you know, all this wonderful stuff that Samsung put into the phone are are draining the, the battery at, at a rate that you wouldn't get with other devices, certainly not Motorola devices, which are stunning in terms of the um, battery longevity in my in my experiences here. Um, so so I, I find that a really difficult um, balance myself as to what to do. I really, really want to use Samsung, but, you know, um, it, that there's too much about it that I don't like as well. Very, very difficult. Having said, Ted, that the you love the Motorola battery life, which is mm. perfectly true, you did find that the battery gauge on your edge, beloved Edge 30 Ultra, your review device, <laughs> is yeah. completely and utterly shot, which is exactly the same. I, th- I, had, I had 100% for the first two and a half hours of use. And that was the other yeah. previous model. The so this is one. another one. Yeah, yeah the, the broken one. This is the new one, which is supposed to be working properly. And it is. It's shot away. It's something in the software that they need to fix. Um, and there, there are lots of uh, – I, I think that um, the more people that report it, I, I guess the more likely they're going to jump on it and do it. But um, my 10% reading test, uh, the same as you, one day it's saying 100% for like an hour – and then it suddenly drops down, um, and and you end up with swinging results from like one hour twenty five minutes one day, and then the next day you do the same test, exactly the same, two hours forty five. <laughs> this is this this gauge is just shot away. So, and, and the annoying thing is that um, it doesn't happen at all on the Neo. The 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 Edge thirty Neo is just perfect. It works brilliantly well, and I'm I have every confidence in um, doing that. So. Yes, I think there's something wrong with it, which they need to fix. The good thing for you, Ted, is that because Motorola called their latest flagship, had the word Ultra in it, and you've got the S21 Ultra, and you're wondering what to write about that, you can justifiably link them together name-wise and have a clash of the Ultras. Is that something you could be working on? That is exactly what I've been working on, and I'm, I'm trying to spend enough time with both of the devices to try and pull that together. Um, so... Yeah, watch this space, basically. And I, I also want to do a special on the Ready 4 versus Dex as well uh-huh. um, yeah. to, to actually get that rolling out. So, yeah, there's no hurry because PR have said that we can keep the Motorola as long as we want to, pretty much. And the yeah, Mot- yeah. And, the, and the Samsung S21 Ultra I, I, I bought. So there's no hurry for any of that. So um, yeah. watch this space. It will come along. So what is happening? I'm dying to know. You ripped off recklessly, but uh, entirely justifiably, you ripped off the screen protector on your Galaxy Z Flip 3 against Samsung's advice. But has it survived? How is it working out with, uh, with without this extra layer of plastic? Yeah, yeah, absolutely fine. Um, I, I Since I reported it on PSC, I've not had it i mean i've to be fair i've not been using it as my daily device and actually someone in the migri group this week was saying that they've got a problem with their screen um yeah. but 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 the person that was using it our, our member's wife was was you know day in day out all the time i've not been using mine in that way but having said that whenever i do fire it up and spend a day with it or two days with it or whatever um the screen is just perfect it that protector as you always say steve was just getting in the way of real life yeah, and yeah. i've i've seen no negative side at all so far fingers crossed <laughs> of having taken my rash accent action <laughs> it's certainly the way to go really for a, a folding device is to go buy it second hand so that if something breaks and you're not covered under the warranty you're not out the full rrp you're just out the second hand price that you paid for it which seems to be the way to go 
Exactly. Or get yourself a Microsoft Surface Duo. Indeed. Well, we've got, I've got loads on the Duo too, again, which I want to come to, but I'm going to leave that for the next show because we are kind of running long. Um, okay. So your main SIM card right now is back in your beloved Neo for the day? Actually, it's not. Um, if we'd had more time today, I was going to say that my my SIM card this minute is in the Surface Duo. Yeah, um, Duo week because, next week then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it was something that I was um, just thinking to myself, I'm not using this. And then I saw a couple of uh, Shane's videos uh, this week, um, one on using Chrome instances on two screens, which was really interesting and I hadn't done much of. And then I got the start the pen out again and I thought, right, I'm... I'm going to put my SIM card back in this and try and use it as a phone again. So, yes, watch this space on that as well. Just a couple of little bits from me. Um, all about Windows Phone, the site I, I wrote for for years, and oh, indeed all about Symbian and all about mobile. are all still online. But just in case the servers ever do get pulled down, something always on the cards in 2023, I've archived a few of my uh, more memorable features, shall we say, and more relevant. And there's been lots about um, people looking back favourably in our podcast and online in the tech world about windows phone and how wonderful the interface was and bring back windows phone bring back lumias and well whatever whatever you think about that <laughs> i've wrote 10 reasons why windows phone failed i wrote this back in 2017 i think or 2018 and i've resurrected it tweaked it tweaked it and updated it and i've put it online i'll put a link in the show notes in case you want to read the 10 reasons in my opinion why windows phone did fail let's move on quickly featured photo of the week ted what have you got for us it's Sleeping Beauty by Joe Hickley. Sorry, Hickey. Um, and he took this using an Oppo Find X5 Pro um, handheld using night mode. And it's a picture of presumably his daughter or a young child of some uh, yeah. gender or description. Looks like a girl. And um, it's a stolen moment kind of photograph. The, the child is asleep. Um, and... There's a game by their side with a, a screen shining up across their face, which is casting really interesting shadows, it, which creates a really interesting atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, the, the light of the toy has made this, but also um, Joe, by being there and taking a photograph, I think I might have, if it was me, possibly taken 10% off the left. I'd cropped it out. But um, apart from that, no, it's a cracking shot. Well done. Well done, Joe. Can you see that, Sethu? I can. As you said, it's it's a great story, uh, falling asleep. And I was also intrigued by the size of the display. Here we were talking about 6.7 <laughs> inch screens. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that gadget, actually, Ted, it might be one of the, like a musical thing that, that plays music with five, ten minutes right, to, yeah. to get the child to sleep. So I don't think the screen size is the uh, key factor here. But, yeah, it's mm, a lovely yeah. shot. Sleeping shots mm. are the best, really. Um, I've taken plenty of my daughter over the years. And, of course... Now we're with our, our dog when it's asleep because it's about the only time it stops moving. Because And because they're not moving, you can use night mode. So here he's able to use the night mode on his, is it the Oppo, wasn't it? Oppo Find X5 yeah. Pro. And it, that eliminates all the noise and gives glorious atmosphere, glorious colours. So lovely shot, Joe. 10% off the left, Joe. <laughs> you always <laughs> want to crop people's submissions. Well, I don't know. It just, I think the, the composition just works a little bit better. But no, taking nothing away from Joe. Yes, yeah, so see the show notes for that thumbnail and various links. Also linked is the MeWe PSE Classifiers group. Ted, any bargains this week? Not a huge amount going on just now in the group, apart from, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on, but not in terms of phones. Um, and uh, maybe it's the time of year, but my coffee pot is suffering. So <laughs> come on, everyone, get buying and selling. But there's a couple there I picked out. The Sony Xperia 1 Mark IV in black, 256 gigabytes, of course, open to trades, um, mint condition and comes with a case so the owner wants to trade that one sony xperia 5 mark 4 in black 128 gigabyte 8 gigabyte version as new condition with box and case is 530 quid oh that's mine that's the one that i got that is doing the rounds um <laughs> a samsung galaxy fold 4 z fold 4 512 gigabytes woohoo very good condition in gray green note case and charger um skins and cases box 900 quid so yeah not too much there this week in the way of phones but uh yeah i guess uh you would go for the fold there sethi would you no question about it it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. definitely the next thing i want to try you have you've never had hands on at a shop or anything only in the shops yeah yeah you can't tell because they're in these awful metal grip things which means you can't really rotate them you can't fold them properly it's a, it's a bit of a disaster, but you can see the point. Otherwise, they'll be very, yeah. very nickable. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've also had the chance to play it with a friend's one. So that's, uh, yeah, I completely buy into it. I think it's, I'm just uh, waiting for all the bugs and stuff like that getting sorted. Yeah. And as the ticking noise returns to Sethia's webcam, no, this is not a Christopher Nolan movie. It's not a, a, a device to indicate that the show is approaching its end. But we are kind of there, Ted. Any last words from you? Pod Hub UK, audio podcast galore. And uh, do head across there to enjoy what we've been talking about in our podcast land. And um, links to all of that also at, uh, at tedsalmon.com, you'll find that. And if you want to buy me a coffee, as previously mentioned, you can do that. It's at paypal.me forward slash tedsalmon. And as Ted's coffee pot gets lower and lower and my beer pot gets lower and lower, do see the links in the show notes. It really does help if you can spare some PayPal money of Yay. some kind. Um, Sethi, any last words from you? Uh, thank you very much for having me again. It's been it's been a great a pleasure for me. Yes, and hello to everybody in Australia. It's nice to speak to people on the other side of the planet Earth. Um, coming up at guests in the next few weeks, by the way, we we did put out a request, Ted, for people who wanted to come on the mm. show, and had quite a response. And also, I've managed to line up some of the people people have been requesting. So we have got over the next two months. Deep breath. Simon Nichols, James Pierce, Tim Evans, Matt Miller, Stephen Lapper, Mike Warner, Shane Craig and Ian Furlong. So some mm-hmm. well-known names there and a couple of people may, you'll never have heard of uh, previously. So welcome to them. Uh, until then, a cheery goodbye from my two co-hosts. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah, show notes at stevelitchfield.com. You've been listening to Phone Show Chat. <laughs> <laughs>